this is Kate Magic and you're listening to the Raw Living Podcast. Raw Living is Europe's leading raw foods and superfood supplier and I founded the company back in 2002. In this interview series, I'm talking to some of the people behind the brands that we offer on our shop to find out what exactly is the ethos behind the company. Not just the ingredients that they use and the processes that they use to create the end results, but I'm asking them other questions like how do they show respect for the environment, how do they treat their workers and their relationship to the farmers who grow the crops. All the companies that we work with are putting huge amounts of dedication and commitment into creating products that are benefiting not just you, but also the whole ecosystem, the planet, the people. And with this series, I'm hoping to show insights into that. When you're shopping with these companies, you're really not just investing in your health, you're truly investing in a better world for us all. My guest today is Romania Dean Thomas, who's one of the most knowledgeable people in the West about Chinese tonic herbalism, and we're talking about his new range of products, IDT Connoisseurs. Romania, welcome to the podcast. Oh, hey, thank you, Kate. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for joining me. This is our third interview together, I believe. Yeah, uh-huh. and they've always been really fun. I've always yeah. really enjoyed them. Like, yeah, we've so gone deep. <laughs> I've learned so much from you, really have. So um, in case people aren't familiar, do you want to start by introducing us to your work? Yeah, thanks, uh, Kate. Um, I'm a Taoist tonic herbalist. I, I, I'm in a lineage called the Gate of Life. It uh, started approximately 5,000 years ago in China, but really is probably much older than that. <clears throat> but the Chinese believe in their... Uh, so-called wild history, and uh, even in documentation, documented history that our lineage begins around 3000 BC, and it's called the Gate of Life. Um, it was founded by people who lived in the mountains, who were recluses, who apparently lived very long lives, and they came to be um, immortalized in Chinese folklore as um, to be immortals. So there was this notion that these people who discovered the tonic herbs um, uh, and who lived in the mountains were immortals. And so those immortals are in Chinese, um, they're, they're among the Chinese deities. And, uh, you know, our Jesus and Mother Mary of the West, uh, the Chinese deities, uh, four of them are herbalists in my lineage. <laughs> and uh, so it, it goes way back. And I'm in that lineage. I, I uh, uh, met Ron, Master Herbalist Ron Teagard in, in uh, 1998 and became his personal apprentice for eight years. But prior to that, I'd already been to China. I went there in 1985 by coincidence, which went with my then Chinese wife, whom I just married. And I got exposed to the herbs then, way back in 1985. We went up into the northern Manchurian province where most of the herbs grow. And, uh, and I saw the, you know, the people growing them there, the, these amazing uh, you know, collectors and on their, on their old mule carts. It was like looking back thousands of years. And we came back to America then and started um, doing herbal tinctures. And we bought a book by Ron Teagarden, Call, it was his first book called Chinese Tonic Herbs. And we lived in San Francisco, right near Chinatown. So we made a lot of uh, tinctures. And that's when I really began, about 1985. And then, as I said, I met Master Herbalist Teagarden in, in 1998 and became his personal tea master and apprentice for eight years. <clears throat> Amazing. And one of the really interesting things I remember you telling me before is that you feel like you have a past life as one of the people that wrote the... Chinese yeah. herbal books. Do you want to tell us about that connection? 
Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I feel pretty open about talking about this now because, you know, a person can just believe it or they don't have to. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I have compelling evidence that I was um, previously in, a, in another life. I was a, a very, very famous Chinese doctor named Li Shijin. And Li Shijin wrote what is today uh, the most important materia medica called the Binsong Gang Mu. And uh, he, um, he spent 30 years writing this book. It was never published in his lifetime. And he finished it in the year 1580. Um, I might not, uh, I don't know about going into the mystical aspects of how I found it all out, but, um, I was told when, uh, when I was with my Chinese wife, who was a, a mystic that, um, from out outside sources that I had been this Chinese doctor in the past. <clears throat> so then, um, in, uh, uh, 2009, I had finished writing my first book called healing thresholds. I went out that day and this whole week for me was a mystical experience, but um, the day that I finished writing the book, I decided to get a copy printed. So I drove in my car around LA and I said, I'm just going to find a place. And I just drove into East LA and came into a T intersection, was looking right at a place called West Coast Bindery and walked in. The guy says, yeah, I can bind your book for you. So I had um, one copy of my book, the very first book I ever wrote. It's been eight years writing it. And it was on Chinese tonic herbalism and my, uh, a little bit of my story in the beginning of how it all happened to me. And so I had a copy of this book in my hand and I'm driving home. I come into my apartment and the phone rings and it's my current astrologer. And she says, Hey, uh, Romania, I'm looking at your chart. And, um, and this, this woman, by the way, never looked at my chart very often. I would never hear from her, but suddenly she just calls me out of the blue and says, I'm looking at your chart. And it looks like you've just recapitulated the work of a previous life. And I said, really? And I'm holding my book that I just got like an hour before. And, um, and she goes, and furthermore, did you say that some, you were told once that you were a famous doctor? And I said, that you were a doctor, that you were a doctor in Chinese medicine? And I said, yeah, that's what I was told. And she said, well, I see here that you, um, you, weren't, you weren't anybody, you were a famous doctor. I said, really? You were well-known. I said, oh, so we had Google by then. So I went into Google and I put in Chinese doctor 1580 and Li Shijin pops up. The, the, you know, literally the most famous doctor in Chinese history, other than Shen Nong, who founded our Materia Medica. But, uh, but uh, Li Shijin is a famous, most famous modern doctor in Chinese history. And modern being to 1580. <laughs> they go way back and they're, mm -hmm. they're modern. But, um, and, and so um, I said, Li Shijin, you know, and there's this picture, you know, and I went, uh, well, I can't, I can't take that on you. I can't believe that unless I have some proof. So I brainstormed and thought, well, there's a, Medical, Chinese medical library about a mile away from where I lived in Koreatown in LA. I said, well, I'll just go over there and see if they have an English translation of, of his book. Um, and so I ride my bike over there and go in. I'm still holding my book in my hand. I go in, there's a statue of Lee Shizan in the, in the lobby. And I walk into the library and say, do you guys have an English translation of, of his Lee Shizan's Materia Medica? And they said, yes. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, let me see it. So they took me to this, you know, there's like nine big volumes of this book, hardbound. And I pulled out the first volume, which I expected was an overview and took it to a table and sat down, opened it up with my book and started looking at the pages and was like, oh God, it was like, you know, the same, the same stuff. Yeah. And I went, oh man. And um, so I went home and I was just shaking and I, I called my astrologer back and I said, look, uh, <laughs> this is kind of serious. And she said, own it, own it. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I can, she said, own it, cut me off. <laughs> but I haven't really, you know, it's one of those things, you know, but here's the thing about it is that, yeah, I happened to go to China. I met a Chinese woman, happened to go there in 1985, happened to go to the North where all the herbs grow. And really 
during that trip, I remember walking down the aisles of, we went to herb farms, every, every city, they take us to herb farms. And um, Sharon, my wife, her, her parents were with us and, they, and the, her father was pissed. You know, he was like, I want to see the great wall and the silkworm factory. You know, what, are, what is this stuff with herb, herb, herb? But, but they kept taking us to herb farms at every stop. And I was like, wow, what is this? But the funny thing was that every time, and I, I noticed this at the time that um, the tour guides would just gleam at me in a certain way with a certain kind of sparkle in their eyes as if they kind of knew my destiny or something. I didn't even know my destiny at that time, but I kept going away going, God, why do they keep looking at me like that? Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, man, you know, it led to all this led to that. Um, but I do think, you know, Alicia Jen wrote, um, what is considered the most important book on uh, pulse reading, like a real, uh, kind of a V textbook on pulse reading. And the funny thing about me, and I'm, I'm this guy from Kentucky, but I'm uncannily good at pulse reading. <laughs> and people always say, when I do their pulses, they say, my God, you nailed it better than anybody. And, and I really do find out, I found out about their past lives and, and their, and all kinds of stuff in there. The prenatal dating, we call it. Um, I can see it all in their pulses. I quite, don't quite know how I feel when I'm doing it. Of course, a lot, a lot of it is technical and empirical, but other is part of it is just downloads, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Can I start by asking you maybe, cause I remember when we spoke before, that you were able to communicate like the whole philosophy of Chinese medicine in a way that made sense to me in a way it hadn't really made sense to me before. And I have been trying to study it and someone recommended the book, The Web That Has No Weaver as a good introductory book. But That's I, good just, chapter, yeah. I just find it really, it's like such a different way of understanding health from the western perspective so could you maybe just talk on some of that like yeah. um you know like how how in chinese medicine they relate to the body in terms of you know the organs and the meridians and everything mm -hmm. yeah i'll happily answer your question uh ted's capchuk's book is great the web that has no weaver um what he attempted to do there pretty successfully is to um unveil Chinese medicine, TCM, as an, is a, a system of, of health that is actually spiritual in its roots. Its roots are spiritual. And so deep spirituality runs through TCM. Mao Zedong had that downplayed a little bit in the 1960s when he modernized Chinese medicine, but it's still there. And Ted Kapchuk and a lot of his contemporaries, um, um, Daniel Reed uh, and others, um, Sabuti Dharmananda, Sabuti, Sabuti Dharmananda, and others, wanted to uh, make sure that people understood that it's essentially a spiritual system. Although I think that what I did um, was I tried to simplify it further by um, not engaging in too much of the technicalities of TCM. TCM as a medical system can get very, very complicated where they start talking about the eight extraordinary meridians and um, all of that. I decided to nail it down to Western language um, and, um, make it very accessible to us, primarily focusing on the Western pharmaceutical names of the herbs, for instance, um, and making it as simple as possible to still um, represent the, the spiritual roots, but uh, to convey the overall philosophy as a beautiful system that is really like a nut. You know, it's like a nut in a shell. It's um, once you get it, you, you really understand it at a deep level. And, um, then it becomes a lifelong search to, to explain it. <laughs> but getting it uh, can happen in a split second. It's like a, a great Zen cone, you know, dropped into your palm. And I attempted to do that with it. I, I remember I used to train people who would come in, who, who would come in to work at our elixir bar in Dragon Herbs. And 
and they would, I'd give them the initial download and they would just start, and then when customers would come in, they'd go, God, this system is just so great. Everything about it is so beautiful and so wonderful. And then they'd say, how? And then she'd go, uh, Romania, can you answer that? <laughs> but um, so it does, there, there's something that occurs where you just get it, you know, how, how, how wonderful it is. But the rudiments, as you, as you asked, are really in the, what's called, you know, the yin and yang, the two basic polarities that create the dynamic that, it, that creates our worldly existence of life and our perception. Yin and yang are two different energies and they are the base of the whole thing. So once you understand that yin really technically yin means the accumulation and storage of energy into an organism and yang means the use of that energy by that organism. Yeah. And once you understand this, it becomes a thing where the taking in the holding, resting, absorbing, nourishment, is first and then the use of that through burning energy and atp is is, is afterward mm -hmm. and so it comes very into the equation in the book i wrote raw chi you know and how we met uh, around the raw food movement it is what are we taking in what is what is the energy that we're how are we accumulating so that we are we are holding yin so that we can express yang right when we're holding a lot of yin we can express mm -hmm. athletic energy you know, we can handle stress, creative energy, energy for love and sexual union and, and healthy children. All this does begin with our nutrition. So that's why you and I are so uh, aligned is that the, the taking in and holding of, uh, and the absorption of, of energy through what we call gathering chi. Chi is sunlight. Sunlight is captured in a tomato. Sunlight's captured in a green pepper. We gather that in and it's gathered into the blood and it's expressed as the energy we call yang. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it, all of our work ties in with living food. So the reason we're speaking today is you've got these new formulations. Yeah. Um, some of them are similar to formulations you made before. Some of them are brand new. Can you tell us what inspired the, the new, the new mm -hmm. range that you've got? Yeah, uh, without going into grimy details, um, I just I had to leave Shaman Shack for ethical reasons. Um, starting over was was pretty difficult, but I did it, and um, we built a beautiful new website. I had already created a lot of the formulas I have in my new line, and I was selling those uh, separately. And I had designed them to be part of Shaman Shack, but um, they never got integrated into the company. So I was kind of sitting on them, waiting for them to be integrated. So at the time I decided to go on my own, I already had a lot of these developed and I had already been out there selling them for two or three years and making sure that they were effective and getting testimonials on them. And so they're, they're not brand new, but my formulas, um, my new formulas in my RDT connoisseurs line, which you now have, they represent the, you know, the most current um, level of my knowledge and expertise and wisdom in, 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 uh, in tonic herbal alchemy. And, um, you know, it, it, the alchemy part of it becomes really important. It is really how you combine the herbs and what ratios. And that is another thing that I guess that previous life of mine gave me a lot of uh, deeper insight into just kind of understanding, well, if, you, if you're going to mix white peony with astragalus, then what, what happens when you mix the two? The energy is now different. But, but then it also is dependent on the ratios by which you mix them. So you're doing a two parts of this to one part of that, whatever. Um, and those are the things that we have to understand as alchemists. And um, I'm blessed. I'm really blessed by the gods to, 
just understand the alchemy of the whole thing. And so my formulas are getting 100% enthusiasm ratings for effectiveness. And um, it does come down to um, the good fortune I've received in understanding how to combine the herbs and according ratios and the according herbal uh, formulations. And so this, this new line of mine does represent, you know, the very, very most, uh, the, the highest level of my current expertise. And I consider them to be very, very advanced formulas. Another thing that Lee Shizhen said in his latter days, and it's in the history books, he told his son that he would come back at a time when he could tell the world about this, about Chinese herbs. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm coming back to do that. Mm-hmm. And I want to make it, like you said earlier, I really want to make this accessible to the Western world as far as the, the understanding of it, the simplicity, but really the taste and the effectiveness. And so I pioneered the use of putting um, monk fruit in them, which is actually a Chinese herb called Lohan Guo. It's actually tonic to the lungs. Um, and adding bamboo as the excipient. So we're getting out like, you know, all the, all the maltodextrin and stuff that used to be in things. My formulas are 10 to one pure extracts. And then what I did is I decided to, to uh, in, in, include Ormus. And the Ormus is an amplifying device. And so this is further amplifying the benefits of my formula. And my friend who makes the Ormus, he says, you know, he came to me because he said, look, you, you, have, to, you have to go to people and combine Ormus with things where uh, you know that the formula is benevolent. You know that the product, the food, whatever it is, is benevolent because if someone puts in, if someone ate Ormus along with a, a junk food diet, a health uh, dinner, that, you know, the junk, the effects of the junk food could be amplified. Mm-hmm. So that's why he came to me enthusiastically and said, man, if you're putting Ormus in this, you know, to amplify it, like we, we formed a, a really, you know, symbiotic partnership of friends because, um, yeah, the Ormus is there to even take it to another level. So I guess those are some of your, the answers to why, uh, or to why I'm excited about this new line. And that you're the first, uh, one of the first companies to have it, period. Brilliant. Again, coming back to my formulas, um, you see, I, I spent that time in another life and all this time in this one to understand the alchemy. And so I'm saving people the time and trouble of going out and saying, well, I'm going to buy some astragalus and some, you know, and some reishi and some licorice root and start putting my formulas together. I mean, a person can do that, but it's going to get rather expensive. And actually, you're not, you don't know exactly what you're going to get yeah. out of that. Even though those herbs in their own right are touted to be healthy, it really does come down to, again, my understanding of the formulation. And then, then having the Ormus in that is really where the value is. So you're adding liquid Ormus in? No, no. My Ormus is powdered. It goes right into the, my powdered extracts. Right, right, right. Yeah. And then tell us as well, because you add Shilajit to some of them as well, right? Yeah. Well, Shilajit's another um, substance that I came across. Um, Ron Teagarden originally told me about it way back around 2002. And um, I wound up writing a book about Shilajit. Uh, There are some copies of it used online, but I wouldn't buy them because it's such a bad (laughs) uh, editing. I've I've reworked it a lot since then, and I'm going to release them again. It's pretty soon. But uh, and I've added a lot more material. But Shilajit is uh, truly I mean, we could talk, do a whole do a whole talk on Shilajit. (laughs) It is the most powerful health substance on earth. Um, um, every researcher, when I was writing the book, every researcher I, I looked at basically concluded that it was somewhat, that it was like a panacea. And, and then the list of the benefits that Shilajit provided, everything from sexual potency to rejuvenation to, to dealing with m- many, many, you know, helping many, many kinds of different diseases. 
uh, it was attributed to those. And um, so it was discovered long ago when they saw these monkeys eating it and, and uh, it went up into the Himalayas, way up into the rocks to eat it. They noticed the monkeys were really smart and agile. So then people tried it a couple thousand years ago and it, it, it came to be called conqueror of mountains, destroyer of weakness. And the Sufis apparently take it. And these people can like run through brick walls and stuff. <laughs> but uh, Silajit is just a great thing to have in your life because um, it is basically the humic remains of ancient rainforests before humans were here. So back in the time of the dinosaurs, all of that humic material is in the earth, in the soil. And it's more concentrated as mountains rise, um, ancient ecosystems get kind of churned into the strata. And as they rise up above a certain um, altitude, somehow the, the humic remains that are breaking down of these complete ecosystem inside the rock strata gets preserved and somehow um, holds this, it, it breaks down to the very smallest molecules called humic acids. And then in spring, when it gets hot or warmer up there in the, in the when it's getting, you know, the sun hits the rocks, the rocks expand and cracks uh, this stuff oozes out like as a black tar. And so when they've analyzed it recently, they found that almost every element, sometimes every element is in this stuff in surprisingly human, uh, healthy ratios for human consumption too. So this stuff is a gift. Um, there are resins. My friend um, Nodari Wuzin has pure black. It's a great resin of Shilajit. And I would like to say to anyone who takes Shilajit resin, take it um, reverently. Take a little bit, a little bitty size of your pinky nail is all you need every day because there isn't much of this stuff in the world. So those of us who have the pleasure of getting the resin, we should really revere it. Brilliant. And one of your favorite products, probably your favorite product to mine is the Reishi, Shilajit and Ormus together. That's yes. so right. powerful, right? Right. Yes. I've renamed it because it was a Shaman Shack product. Uh, I've renamed it Three Masters. It's on my uh, site now. And um, it is Reishi Shilajit Enormous. And my Shilajit is a powdered Shilajit extract that has been mixed with Trifala. And that's the way the Sufis traditionally took it. And that's the way I believe it should be taken because um, it could be too potent on its own right. to, to even, for the body to even handle. So um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Shilajit and Trifala extract there with a pure 10 to 1 pure ratio extract, no excipients, and then, and then Ormus. Yeah. I'm so proud uh, that I created that back in about, so I created it in around 19, uh, no, 2007. Yeah. A long time yeah. ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I still think that's just probably the most, one of the most sophisticated things out there. Yeah, for sure. We should maybe talk a bit more about Ormus as well, in case people don't know. I feel like it's something that people might have heard of, but still aren't really clear exactly what yeah. it is. How would you? Good, 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 because we passed over it without explaining what it is. <laughs> okay, um, I have an again a pretty simplistic way of explaining what Ormus is, uh, based on you know the way that I like to convey. Um, okay, so Ormus name means orbitally rearranged monatomic elements. My friend who makes the Ormus says that's a misnomer, that is not necessarily correct. But I think for, um, it will do. <laughs> it will suffice for us to get the message across. So what Ormus is, uh, and to briefly tell the history, it was, there, there were urns found in Egyptian tombs and in Chinese tombs concurrently, where someone was um, burning uh, gold and making it into a white powder. And the pharaohs and the and the and the elite of ancient China were taking this, the emperors. 
they also, if, if uh, the uh, the sarcophagus is um, in in the in in the Egyptian tombs, they're found dusted with this stuff. So it's a white powder of gold. Um, and anyway, it kind of got lost uh, when the library at Alexandria burned. A lot of mystical information was lost. That's probably stuff's probably all in the Vatican Library today. But um, uh, you know, underneath the Vatican there. But um, so we didn't know what really what this stuff was. And then maybe you know Nicholas Flavel, another uh, alchem alchemist doing spatyrics in the in the middle uh, uh, part of the century, uh, uh, back in around earlier part of uh, Christendom, were were uh, probably using this stuff too. But it was veiled as to what it was. And so then in the 1970s, David Hudson named that. He had rediscovered it. But what I how I describe it is. There is, there's got to be something, there is a blueprint of life, right? And the blueprint of life is essentially crystalline structures. So at the very, very rudiment of all physical, what we call physical life is atoms forming uh, crystal structures uh, of molecular structures. And these crystal structures form these lattices that start to form what we perceive as life. Well, so what what is doing that? There's there's a there's a you know there's there's the blueprint, but uh, then you have we can call God right that drew the blueprint. What who, but what was the process of drawing it? That's where Ormus is. Uh -huh. Ormus is an interface between energy and matter. Right. Ormus isn't a real thing. It's an essence that's held in things that gives it life. Um, you know that's that's beyond dualism. It's just it's just a part of the early structure of atoms and, and their formation into molecules. There's got to be some kind of driving force there, some kind of directive. So I call it a dedication device. And that's what my friend Art Tarby says as well. It's a, it's a dedication device of, um, of uh, you know, and he, he adopted my term too, he liked it, to, um, to describe, you know, that interface between energy and matter. And that interface itself is important because you want a good architect drawing that drawing, you know? <laughs> Uh, and look at this beautiful drawing we've got, you know, in front of us, uh, the world, the planet, you know, amazing, you know. Um, and uh, Ormus is somewhere in that dedication. So when we, when I put the Ormus into my formula, it winds up being, uh, you know, su supporting the energy and the actual metabolic function and physical function of the formula. So what, so, you're, what you're doing really is alchemy in the truest sense, right? Exactly, in the truest sense, because um, alchemy really is, I, th I would say it's the study of that threshold between energy and matter. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. There's a couple of herbs that I'd really like to talk to you about, particularly because I feel like they're really important at the moment with everything that's going on. Yeah. So um, I love how like the herbs they just they're just like personalities aren't they and sometimes yeah. you take them and they don't they don't really reach you they don't you don't really resonate with them and then other times they like make so much sense to you and so yeah. both of these herbs really I feel profoundly resonate with me at the moment so the first one I want to ask you about is astragalus can you tell them why astragalus is so important that's funny. I right before you said I was I was going I was going astragalus. <laughs> um, astragalus is one of the top five of all the tonic herbs. So, um, okay, tonic herbs. 
Um, the word tonify means is from Greek. It means to tune the strings of an instrument into harmony. So an herb that tonifies is essentially going to bring all of your instrument into harmony. And the, we look at the five organ meridians and the three treasures and the yin and yang. And yeah, it gets complicated. But to bring all those things into harmony in the body. And then when your body is harmonious, what happens to your auric field? It's resonating that nice big green aura, you know, and, you're, and then you become fortunate in life because all energy is attracted to the light and you become the light. Well, astragalus is one of the top tonic herbs. Um, a tonic herb, there's only about 20 or 30 tonic herbs ever found in the world at this point. Um, and a tonic herb must be a non-specific. It must have an, a kind of benefiting the balance between yin and yang, that place we call the Tao, right in between yin and yang. It's holding the homeostasis of life. Tonic herbs go there. That's why you resonate so much with it, because it's holistic and it's, it's bringing all your energies into balance. It's an extremely complex herb, you know, genetically and phytochemically. Um, it is uh, known as an immune modulating herb, particularly what the Chinese call the Wei Qi, which is the branch of the immune system directly below the capillaries of the skin. It helps protect us against airborne and waterborne pathogens and carcinogens. And it's funny because only recently did Western medicine recognize that there is a branch of the immune system underneath the skin. Yeah. The Chinese knew about it for thousands of years. And astragalus is support, supposed to support that what we call Wei Qi. It's that's that part of the immunity. Mm -hmm. um, but being an adaptogen, it's just in a very balancing herb, you know. Um, and yes, one of the top five of the tonic herbs of the world. Um, Which are the top five? I would say reishi, astragalus, shisandra, goji, and romania. Okay. Not heishi. Then, then you get very close in there. You get eucomia, you know, and some others very close in. You know. he heishi wu. Is that in the oh, top five? Oh, she's right there. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, it could be. Yeah, it could be there. It could be interchangeable with with Romania because <laughs> they're both very similar. Yeah. Um, and which of your formulas is astragalus in? Like, if people wanted to take astragalus in one of your formulas, which one is it highlighted in the most? It's in my Awaken formula, uh, which is the top adaptogens of the world. Um, astragalus is considered an adaptogenic herb because of its balancing effects and on the adrenals to replenish the adrenals. So um, I have a formula of top adaptogens, which is uh, astragalus, gynostema, cordyceps, um, and um, uh, eleuthero and, and a bunch of other great adaptogens are in there. That formula is for people to replenish adrenals and for thinkers and multitaskers, people who own businesses like yourself, people who are doing a lot of things in the world to keep focused and not get stressed out and not get the adrenal, let the adrenals burn out. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, Awaken, yeah, I've really been talking to people who live in cities, who live in stressed lives, or multitaskers, or creative people. Um, this makes having a hot elixir in the morning of uh, Awaken with a, you know, in a, with a little bit of um, flax milk and honey and cacao in there. It's like, boy, what, a, what, you know, you couldn't have a better way to start your day yeah. to, to prevent that lag and the fatigue. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's a, a, a I have a stragglers in a number of my formulas though. Yeah. The other one that I've really been called to take a lot of, and I've, I've really been consuming buckets of um, <laughs> the last kind of couple of months is Shisandra. Can you tell us more about Shisandra? 
Yeah, well, it's it, it you know it's it's it makes sense that you'd be attracted to that herb. Um, it, it has a major affinity with women for some reason. For instance, um, it's a very sour wild berry that was has never been cultivated. The Chinese never cultivated it on purpose because they knew that they wanted to keep it in its tonic state, wild. And if they cultivated it, it would take away its adaptogenic and its gene properties. But it, it tonifies what we call gene, which is your kidneys. And um, when you tonify kidneys, you you gain youthfulness. And so it's a considered an anti-aging herb. And it's one of the top beauty herbs in the world. So Kuan Yin and the Empress Dowager and all of them took Shizandra. Shizandra is the most famous tonic herb of all because it's the only herb known that is said to tonify all five of the organ meridians and all three treasures. Um, it, it contains all five of the tastes. Um, and, um, it's funny because when I give this herb raw to women, women love the taste, that sour taste, but men don't like it. It's an right. interesting thing, but, um, yeah, Shizandra berries are a great gift to the world. I have them in a lot of my formulas. It's in uh, eternal Ching and, um, Phoenix and, uh, it's in uh, Essentia, my formula for young women for, and, and for vegetarian women and men. Yeah. And when I say young women, I mean women in, in reproductive, you know, years uh, really benefit a lot from Essentia. But even beyond that, Essentia is a great formula too. It's a blood building tonic. It tastes like cinnamon to me. Oh, yeah. Essentia. It has cinnamon twig in it. And cinnamon twig is, is called a thermogenic. So it's said to warm in the middle jowl a little bit. And uh, women always need to make sure that the middle part of the body around the splenic meridian and the stomach is always nice and warm because that's the place where your body kind of like cooks down the food and, and gets the um, nutrients and the iron into the blood to make the blood bright red and give the blood upright chi. So now we have glowing skin, warm hands and feet and a light menstrual period because the blood is upright chi. Right. And so that's all important in warming the middle jowl, the splenic meridians, the, right. the spleen organs, which are the spleen, pancreas, duodenum, small intestine, and stomach. That's our metabolic stove. Yeah. And uh, so the two herbs in Essentia, cinnamon twig and citrus peel are both um, warming for that area. And then white attractylodes is as well. Right, right. And I guess I should ask you about Romagna. Tell us more about Romagna. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I, in uh, 2009, just after finishing the book and, and hearing that stuff about Li Shijin, uh, I went to meet David Wolf at a, at a festival, uh, at, a, at a hot spring retreat out in Arizona. And I was there with him and Carrie Dancing Butterfly and some other luminaries of our movement. And we were in a late night sweat lodge about midnight. And, I, and someone held up a shaker and said, said uh, Aho, uh, anyone can take this and make an announcement. And I grabbed it and I went, Aho, my name is Romania. <laughs> uh, I had not called myself Romania yet at that time. Was, this was, yeah, so I, then I went home and changed the name of my book to Romania, Dean Thomas. Uh -huh. But um, so that's when I, how I got the name. But Romania is um, one of the unsung heroes. And I guess my work is making it more well-known, but it, it, it's in the same category as Hosha Wu. It's a, considered an anti-aging herb. And the Chinese call Romania the kidney's own food. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, when you tonify the kidneys, that's where the anti-aging stuff is. That's where we build up antioxidants in our blood and ATP and, you know, the, the skin gets pigment and, and, uh, and, you know, elasticity along with the schizandra and the pearl and the formula. Um, and uh, so Romania is just one of those great tonic herbs, you know, it's a complex herb too, because um, it has to be the root of the flower. It's a beautiful flower. And then the root of it 
is simmered in a sort of wine. Uh, and this process is still secret in China. It's um, proprietary and it's done in some little villages and nobody knows how except the people who live there. And uh, so when you tonify, the, when, you, when you simmer the Romani in the wine, it makes it tonic to the kidneys. Um, the raw Romania, unprocessed, is not a tonic herb, but it is, in, it is a, a lesser quality herb called in the herb called regulating class. And it's used for um, hot flashes and rising liver heat. Like if you've got a guy who's got an angry red face, his liver's all toxic, that, the Chinese say that heat is going up from the liver and causing the red face and the angry thoughts. And then also hot flashes oftentimes are, might be due to liver heat rising. And um, Romania benefits that. So it's quite an important herb and a versatile herb. Do you think it's less well known because of that process of making it that you were just telling us about? Do you think it's less what? Less well known. Uh, I think that it's one of those herbs the Chinese kept a little more secret. Um, yeah, because it's, I mean, you know, I'm sure Hoshawu grows abundantly over, I mean, um, Romania grows abundantly there, but yeah, it's that, it's that process of, you know, it's quite a process to do that. So again, you know, with all the tonic herbs, I mean, we just want to really revere them and thank the gods for them and thank the Chinese people for the incredible work they go through to preserve the integrity of these herbs and to process them all for us with a lot of love and caring. And they, they dry these things on the roof of their homes and, and meticulously pick out the unwanted parts and, um, and then process this stuff, you know, meticulously because they, they want us, they want us Westerners. They want to help us. They really do. They want to help us wake up. <laughs> and so which of your formulas would you say highlights Romania the best if people wanted to try it for themselves? Eternal Jing is all of the top Jing herbs I mentioned earlier. That's that's the big one for, um, I mean, really, I could put Romania into, I could call, call it four masters and put Romania in there. I wouldn't mind that. Um, but uh, it, it's in a number of my formulas. Uh, it's in uh, my Phoenix formula for women. It's also in Essentia. Mm -hmm. And because uh, I put it there, but it's also a blood tonic, nourishing the blood. So that's why it's in Essentia. Uh, it's in a lot of my formulas. Uh, it's in Allure, my beauty formula. And uh, yeah, you find it pretty prevalently there. Romania, thank you so much. I always learn so much from talking with you. Is there anything else you wanted to share with us today? No, Kate. Is there anything you'd like to share? <laughs> um, if uh, obviously people can buy the products and we're going to be adding more and more till we've got the whole range, but is there other places they can find out more about your work? And do you do yeah. like coaching and consults and stuff like that? I do. I offer free consultations. So um, what you can do is contact me through messenger um, and, um, and, or Instagram, just my name. Uh, we'll take you there and uh, let me know. And then we'll exchange phone numbers and, we can do it. You know, no matter where you are in the world, we can do it um, over the phone. And my website is R Dean Thomas, capital R Dean Thomas.com. So um, do you have any books available at the moment? You know, I wrote nine books um, and uh, right now I don't, I'm getting ready to print a bunch more. I had to take uh, the available funds to kind of start the company up. And so the books have kind of had to take a little bit of a backseat until I got things going, but I'm, I, I'm actually working on a lot of them still, I even, you know, I've wrote them a while back, but I'm enhancing them all and getting ready to do some new printing. And I'll want to send you all copies when I have them. Uh, Healing Thresholds is a very popular book. You can find used copies of it online. It tends to be a bit expensive. 
And then my novel, The Hissian, is uh, is really my gift to, to humanity. And there's a, a lot of herbalism in it. Um, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the old Daryl Nagual heals him with herbs and then the boy in the book becomes a tonic herbalist. So there's a lot of education in it. Uh, about my, uh, I feel if if a person reads Healing Thresholds in my in my novel The Hissian, then they know me. <laughs> um, but I've written some other books. I wrote one called Threshold of the Fourth Chakra about our uh, evolutionary progress toward more of a heart oriented species, and that's uh, uh, I'm very excited to get that out there. I want to focus on that book quite a lot. Is that a new one? Well, I actually wrote it around um, 2015, but um, I did print copies of it. You may find it again, uh, use copies of it on uh, Amazon. And uh, I probably sold a couple hundred copies of it. So it could be out there. Uh, but I've been, again, I'm waiting to kind of unleash all of them again at the same time and put them on my website and have them available for you. Yeah, no, we'll definitely stock them when they're available. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Romania, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. Okay. Always, yeah, always interested in speaking with you and anyone who's listening. I'm very happy to talk with you. Thank you for listening. You can check out the products we've been talking about by visiting Raw Living, rawliving.co.uk. And if you haven't got an account already, then do sign up. You get £5 off your first order. And also please do like, subscribe and share this podcast. It really does help.